Welcome to the What is Happening in Salt Lake podcast series, brought to you by slc.gov and the Salt Lake Small Business Development Center. The purpose of the podcast series is to review topics relevant to Salt Lake-based business owners and startups, as well as to highlight success stories from other entrepreneurs. Welcome everyone to Startup Salt Lake City podcast. Today we will be interviewing Susie Felch Malohi Fao, Executive Director of Pacific Islanders Knowledge to Action. Before we jump into it, let's do some brief introductions. My name is Roberta Reichel with Salt Lake City Economic Development Department. And I'm William Wright, also with Salt Lake City Economic Development. And my name is Peter Collister. I'm with the Salt Lake Small Business Development Center. So Susie, let's get started. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us about PICTAR? Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. I really appreciate the opportunity to share about Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resources. We are a five-year startup community-based organization, 501c3. We have three focuses. The first one we started out with is violence prevention, education, and intervention. That program is called Our Empowered Living Services. The second was increasing income into Pacific Island and other ethnic communities, households, and the program there is the Pacific Island Business Alliance. And the third focus is perpetuating all of Pacific Island's arts, and that program is called the Al Pacific Enriching Arts of Utah. So Pacific Island Heritage or Pacific Island Business Alliance has now two chapters, one in Salt Lake City and one in Utah County. And in January, we will be opening a chapter in Mesa, Arizona. Oh, very cool. So how long has the Pacific Islander Business Alliance been around and where did you guys find the need or how did you assess the need to have that as part of PICTAR? So we did start out with violence prevention. And what happened is I've been a serial entrepreneur most of my life. And some of the kids that grew up with me in Texas live here in Utah. And some of them came to me and said, we need some help with our businesses. And can you help us? I said, oh, sure, slam dunk. I'm just going to go out and we got lots of resources, SBAs, or all of that I knew. What I recognized was the cultural translation, the lack of system understanding of how each of these systems work. And how do we make this relevant for Pacific Islanders in how they understand what our cultural norms were? And I could see a huge gap. I would send someone to school, they would come back and say, I didn't understand a word he said. The counselor would call me and say, great session. There was such a diverse outcome of what was going on here. And so I thought, well, we're already doing resources in violence prevention. I can help in doing this. I ran across Agnes Lomu, who is with the Department of Workforce Services, and she said to me, I've always wanted to help our Pacific Islander businesses take advantage of the opportunities at Workforce Services. So I said, okay, but before we can do this, we have to know who's doing business in this area. And notice that really there hadn't been any organizing or gathering of Pacific Island or ethnic organizations, because my background really is not in Pacific Island ethnic work. I had worked in homelessness in East Palo Alto, California before here. I worked in Native American communities in Arizona. I had worked with African-American interview programs. And so this was a very different space for me. But Agnes said, let's do this. And so we started five years ago, 2015. We held our very first gathering. And I believe we had like seven people show up. And only one was an actual business owner. All of them were either resources or worked for a large business. And that's where we started. And currently we are online. We meet the first Thursday of every month. The Salt Lake chapter does from 8 to 9.30. The Utah County chapter meets on the third Thursday. Again, 8 to 9.30 in the morning. So that's how we started. How many members are a part of the groups, both in Utah County and Salt Lake? This is the year to focus on true membership. We really have been in the gathering mode. So on average, I would say that we get between 
10, I would say our largest attended event is in January for Meet the Media. We can have 50 to 70 people show to that when it was in person. But I would say that we get an average between 10 to 15 people that attend. We're small, but mighty. Our cultural norm is in the American or mainstream, you show up to these things, right? In our culture, many of our ethnic cultures, you send a trusted person to that event. And then their job is to share with the others. And so we always say we would get quantity or quality over quantity. I don't care if there's three people there. But if those three people go out and tell 10 people about our services or what they learn, I'm good. And so we were able to produce this year for the first time a Pacific Island business directory. It has 200 Pacific Island-owned businesses in the state of Utah. So that kind of tells you where we are. And there are a ton more, but we were able to gather 200 for this year's uh, direction. See, that's really uh, impressive and great work. And is there some, where can people find that list if they wanted to support Pacific Islander businesses? So you can go to www.pictar.org. And, and I think you do Pictar slash PIBA. P-I-B-A.com. And that'll take you right there. The online directory is a work in progress, right? Because we can continually add businesses. We are now allowing businesses outside of Utah to be on the directory. And so it's always being updated. Our, we've done a really nice job. You can go on and it clicks and it takes you right to their website and how to order. Many of our businesses are not uh, brick and mortar businesses. They are online startups, very much micro businesses that we work. Yeah, that's the space we work in. What are some of the different types of businesses that you work with? Are there common trends? Oh, yeah. We have a ton of restaurants, businesses, food-related businesses. Second one, I would say, is nonprofit. We are social enterprisers. And in our culture, and I think a lot across many ethnic groups, you don't get in business to make yourself rich. You get in business, you can go to school and get a degree. And what your parents are going to say is, okay, so how did you help your auntie? It's not about how much money you make, but unless there is a translation to helping you within the community, then the rest of it is in vain, right? If you think about where we come from, that everybody has a job in a village to make it work. So it's no different when you come here and your children, their kids will tell me all the time, man, I went and got this degree and my parents say, can't you help your auntie and uncle? What are you doing to help your brothers and sisters? So the values are very different, right? Our values are God, community, family which is not necessarily the same values that I would say in mainstream America. So those are the two. I would say food and nonprofit. Anything to help the community is something that is, resonates with Pacific Islanders. Susie, you mentioned some of the unique things about Pacific Islander uh, business owners, like how they show up to or, or send a delegate to a, a PIBA event. Or as you mentioned just now, like if, if it's about making money, the bottom line, or just having a business to help others. What are some like unique challenges to business owners in the Pacific Islander community that might be different from anyone else? And um, how are you guys through PIBA working through those challenges? I would say the number one is how we look at loans loaning money and having owing anybody money in our culture is a big no-no. But in America, to grow a business, you really have to learn to leverage that, right? Learning about, I mean, financial literacy is huge. Credit score, right? We don't have those kinds of things here in many of our Pacific Island stores. If you do, if you write a check or you owe money, they just put your name up at the store. Go to any Pacific Island grocery store here. You'll see the, I always call it the wall of shame, right? is they'll put your name up because, and, and in the islands, they'll go on the radio and say, Target, we have six people that owe money to Target. 
right? And they say your name on the radio. And so very different way in here is if you owe a bill to somebody, no one's going to know it. That is up to you to find it within yourself to do what's right and be, understand the importance and the effect that it has if you're trying to, to run a business eventually. There is a practice done in our communities. And again, across, I would say, all ethnic is that you use your children's social security numbers to do some things. And so when you're, as an adult, you grow up and you're trying to start a business and your credit is already, I guess, not ruined, but hurt, you have to overcome some of these things. And, you know, a lot of people are like, wow, she's telling like the dirty secrets about our community. But that honestly is what I am seeing in hurting our businesses. In order to use the micro-lending, you can have all the micro-lending and options out there. But if you are considered bad, if it's like shameful to take a loan out or owe people money, then we will always have micro enterprises, right? And that's okay. I tell people, it's okay. You can just stay with a micro enterprise, but when you're interested to go to the next level, there are services out there and we can walk you through that. That's great. Have you found any particular resource that's helped to break that barrier so far? Well, I think it's more not necessarily the resource, but the tool that we use. We took the community health worker model and we have a business community health worker. And she is that trusted person in the community that you are not ashamed to go and ask for help from. And then there is no shame or guilt to sit with her who's going to walk you how to fill out your LLC, even though you've been running your business for 10 years and you didn't understand the words that they were asked on this form. And you may have tried it 20 times, but you still kept getting to that one question and you just gave up because you didn't know who to ask. And so using, I think more it was figuring out if that community health worker model works in the medical field, we can translate that over to any resource moving industry. And that's what we've done. People call, they want, I did the Samoan in-language radio show podcast last week. I had five people reach out that wanted to talk about micro-lending and understanding that and the different options that we have. And so unless you can have these vulnerable conversations, to say, oh, my credit's not the best. People are not going to be empowered to help themselves to the next level. Does that resource sit inside of your organization to kind of be the... Yes. Okay. Yes. We have a Pacific Island Business Alliance community. We call her our business um, community health worker. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, they will, people will call her and then she will explain our micro-lending or who our resources are because we vet our resources out. That was one of the things I found out when I started working in this space. I was new to Salt Lake. Not every resource fits to work with ethnic and minority communities. And so I am not going to refer to an organization that's going to shoot people down and not going to give it. It's wasting my time in theirs. I want to make sure that we align ourselves up with partners that are going to help empower people to that next level, to that whatever their higher ground is. So that's been part of our work as well finding the appropriate partners that are going to align with the way we work with our community and the the best way to work with at least this community and other ethnic communities. Because our business alliance has not just Pacific Islanders. We have refugees, we have Hispanics. You'll find that what Pacific Island Knowledge Action Resources really is about is Pacific Island culture, not about Pacific Island people. We want people to learn the best about our culture and integrate it into their own lives, in their work, in their presence. I wanted to ask, you talked about micro lending a few minutes ago. Which partners do you commonly use or refer your members to? Uh, so we use Celtic Bank and we use the Kiva program. 
And now we just integrated the Salt Lake City Economic Development. We just added that onto our website. And Sharon is getting acclimated in understanding that because basically she's got to virtually translate that, right? And so we've got those, the Kiva loan down and we've got Celtic down in our relationship and how this works and the processes. You know, Celtic had to switch up a little bit of how they do it and realizing that they can call people back and explain and ask the questions that they're missing on the application, but they're not going to get the response they want because they're just going to call somebody up and then it doesn't happen. And so now to realize, to use that tool that we have, which is that business community health worker, it's got to come back through her so that she can explain so that we get people to go to the next level. So you had also mentioned that you have a chapter in Mesa, Arizona. We're opening it in January. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Is that part of the growth plan for the nonprofit to grow beyond Utah to other states? It is. It wasn't when we originally started, but what happened was I didn't realize when we started Pectire and the areas that we hit, violence, education, prevention, the business resources, that there wasn't any other options in this, in this country. And so as we started, people started reaching out saying, can you help us? And who do you know in LA that can help do the same thing that you're doing? And so yeah, out of just organically, it has grown to, and we will end up providing services and many other. I'm, this year, I was tasked to put together the first Pacific Island national pitching competition. And so in August, we'll have a new category, a micro enterprise category and a small business be the first one we will stream it from South Lake City. Really excited. And all of the partners that we have nationally and even in the territories, each one of them in Guam, Hawaii, American Samoa, will be nominating small businesses and entrepreneurs that fit in those categories to pitch. And we're really excited. I didn't realize what big of a job that is, but I'm really excited about it. And I'm excited that it's going to be hosted here in South Lake City. In August, for the Southern Island Heritage Month, is going to be part of our state celebration in August. So really excited about that. I just want to like emphasize how cool it is to have a Pacific Islander Business Alliance here in Salt Lake. You know, any other city across the U.S. might have um, a lot of other diverse chambers like the Hispanic Chamber, Black Chamber. But like it's a, it's a unique thing to have a Pacific Islander Business Alliance like like Chamber here in Utah. And I'm, I just think it's really cool that we have that. And I, the potential for growth of it is really cool, cool, but it started here in Salt Lake. Right. And nationally, I mean, in every other city, we are lumped in with Asians, right? It's Asian American Pacific Islanders. Every chamber that's Asian American Pacific Islander across this country, we are an MOU partner with National ACE, which is Asian American Pacific Island Chamber of Commerce and Entrepreneurship. We were their first Pacific Island MOU because it doesn't exist in our country, but we are really proud that we are small. We started here in Salt Lake, which makes sense. This is the number one per capita place for Pacific Islanders outside, I mean, in the continental U.S. So it makes sense. Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't we? Yeah. Susie, tell us about like some of the biggest accomplishments of this year, because obviously you guys started five years ago. This year has been unlike any others. And how have you guys, for lack of a better word, pivoted in a sense to adapt the organization to these crazy times, for especially for businesses? Well, I'm really proud to say that as an organization, we didn't skip a beat. Our group supports all went online. Our programming went. We didn't miss not one. And, and so I'm really proud to be able to say that. I would say that our biggest accomplishments for the Business Alliance, uh, one is the directory, to actually have a directory in hand and that it be online 
was a huge feat. It took us, and with the help of you, Roberta, in getting us the interns to help us gather was, I mean, yeah, I'm really proud about that, but also there was a need. The second thing is the work that we did with Nourish to Flourish. If you look at what the Pacific Island Business Alliance has been able to do there, one of the programs we had is a restaurant incubator. And what ended up happening was one of the businesses got COVID and he was going to quit. He was going to close his business down. And he asked, we said to him, why don't we just partner? We will come in, we will hold space and work with you until you're better, until you can get back on your feet. You have worked so hard. We worked with him for a year. You've worked so hard on this. Then he said, after trying to do it and just, you know, with the mental fog, COVID fog and the financial and the things that were going on with his family, he said, can I just give you this business? And the idea was, okay, give us this business in about six months a year, we'll just give it back to you. We'll run it. And then now what's happened again, Roberta, with your help, is that now we contract and have one of our businesses provide in our cafeteria to provide meals for 200 employees in Valley Behavior. And then we it still employed the man that gave us this business. He is our executive chef and handles the contracts that we have now for in-house catering. And so Nourish the Flourish was the first contract. Now we are starting to contract with Valley Behavioral. They have five facilities and we are slowly going to start taking that over for them. And so if you see that to me is now we just created our own social enterprise that the profits now go back to big time to be able to support the work that we do within the community. So to me, that was another huge accomplishment. It was only supposed to be for 12 weeks. We are now moving forward into 2021 and we have contracts moving forward. I mean, we're a five-year little tiny nonprofit, but the contracts that we have in 2021, the one contract is a million dollars revenue for us, little us. And this happened in conversation. It's just, you know, this opportunity that COVID has provided with this man that trusted us. And he's not even a Pacific Islander. He's Hispanic that was in our restaurant incubator who got COVID, who then just gave us his business. And now we've been able to keep him employed. He said, I just need a job. He said, can you guys run it? Hire me. We're like, of course. So he is our executive chef. So I would say those two things and then the ability that we have had to pay our businesses. We always use our Pacific Island businesses first. If you look at the COVID PSA that we just put out last week, that was done with a production company of Pacific Island descent. And nothing prouder than to be able to keep our money inside our community. When we started PIBA, we said, we want to make sure that our money stays within our community and challenged us to say, could we make that money jump a hundred times within our community? Could we do that? Could we keep our money as much as we can within our community to support our communities. So I would say those are kind of the top things that we would create. I was looking up to see in dollars and cents what this has meant to us with the Nourish the Flourish contract. Because I think in one year, and not even you can see what it's done for us financially. Now we've added this other contract that's going to be $1 million revenue for us. So well, congratulations. That's a, those are great accomplishments. I know COVID has represented an opportunity for some businesses to expand their reach. And it sounds like you've taken advantage of that and expanding to other states and regions around the country. Yeah, because we're on Zoom, right? We have people coming from New Zealand, Australia, coming to our support groups, coming to our meetings. And so, you know, COVID has brought some terrible things in our community. We are the number one in contraction for capital, number one or two in death, 
number one in hospitalization. And so don't want to minimize the, the havoc that COVID has, but there are also some sunshine amongst the rain that COVID has brought us. Well, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to build on that going forward, the good parts of how COVID has been able to bring people together through alternate communication. Yeah. I was just going to say here that Premier Catering has provided 5,900 meals to Nourish and Flourish, Nourish to Flourish initiative. And that was just been since I think we started in September with them. And what started out to be a seven, a 12-week program now is moving to service youth cities in Salt Lake, Promise South Salt Lake, Volunteers of America, and Neighbor House, Neighborhood House are who we've been providing meals for. That's awesome. So what's besides a new office in um, in Mesa or a new chapter, what do you hope is in the future for PIBA? And what do you still need for Pacific Island owned businesses? What sort of resources could you still use? So we need an office. We have been out looking for we want to bring all of Pintar. We always look at if other ethnic groups have strip malls, why don't we? And so we really would like to have a large space that we can do true incubator space that if you want to have a retail store, move it from online and have a 500 square foot space that you can get the experience in running a retail business. Just like we're doing with the uh, restaurant incubator is allowing in our kitchen, we have small businesses that are using the kitchen to make their product to sell. And then we also have a business that runs that is learning how to run a restaurant. In 2021, you will see that PIVA is going to have a construction incubator because along with nonprofit and along with food, construction is the next highest industry that we provide businesses in. And so we are looking for uh, Pacific Island and ethnic businesses that are looking to be a general contractor. And we now are set up with a general contractor that will go after the larger contracts, and we will subcontract out those within our incubator. But they, the people in our incubator are moving towards being their own general contract. So that's going to be our next incubator that we were going to do. But we really do need a space. I could fill a strip. I honestly could. And businesses could pay, you know, between two and $500 a month. I just have to find the right place that we could do our work and provide the space we already have our incubator. Our business incubator is at Impact Hub. We rent out desks then for $200 a month. We have space there for eight entrepreneurs. But COVID did a number on them. We only have one person in our incubator right now. They couldn't afford the $200, right, during COVID. And that's okay. We still allow people to come. We use it as a co-working space. Being an entrepreneur is lonely. And often we need just a space to go and bounce ideas off and just to have a friend in business. And so we've used that. We would love to have a space. We need about 4,000, 5,000 square feet to be able to bring all of this because Pictar is an ecosystem. This business alliance does not work on its own. We have a woman that comes in domestic violence and she needs to be able to support her family. So what we'll do is look at what her, her skill set is. Can we build a business around this? Can we help her? And we will surround our resources around her and create a business. We do the same thing in the arts. And so PICTAR is different because we work as an ecosystem. One program affects another. Very good, Susie. 
It's been nice to chat. What else should we know about Pictar or Piva? I would say come check it out. I always tell you never know until you come. We invite anyone to come to a meeting, get involved. That's the other thing. We need more mentors. The fastest way to help people be empowered is to have a mentor. And we have mentors that are working really hard with too many small businesses. And so if anybody that has time on their hands, has a desire, has a skill in whatever, we would like to talk to you. We would have people that really need the help. I would say that was that's always my theme for PIVA and is we need mentors. Very good. Well, someone who wants to learn more, what website can they go to to opt in or learn about your upcoming events? You can go to our website, www.pik, the number two, ar.org. Premier Catering can be reached at phone number 435-553-7238. You can also email them at premiercatering at pictar.org and check out their weekly specials at uh, pictar.org backslash Eva backslash premier dash cafe. And we'll all add the link here for you. Right. Well, fantastic. Thank you again, Susie. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thanks for coming on, Susie. Thanks, Roberta.